This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. That's how we roll. The outsiders. The outsiders. What is up? What is happening, TFA fam? We're back again. It's another week. We're into May now. But here we are, uh, back again with another episode. My name is Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyGraph13. You can find my co-host, Cody Kutzer. That man needs a... Well, as soon as uh, the great state of Pennsylvania opens up, that man needs to find a barber because the hair is getting is getting wild on him. How you doing tonight? Doing awesome, man. The... Uh the locks are still flowing. The wife is still annoyed, and uh, I can still not get a haircut. So, I'm doing great. That is what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Always trying to annoy the wife. So, anyways, uh, we got uh, some fun stuff to talk about tonight. We uh, we decided that you know we're kind of you know trying to be forward thinking a little bit and understand you know what what we can talk about now because everyone's still going to keep talking about the NFL draft for, like the next two or three weeks, and you can only beat that into the ground so much where. You know, without, you know, OTAs or anything else to go off of, we have no idea what's going to happen. So we figured we'd kind of jump in and do kind of an NFC East fantasy preview. And we're also going to give you uh, some top five or our, our top five sleepers right now. That'll, you know, obviously expand as the season, as we get closer and closer. But each week we're going to start coming up with, uh, you know, a secondary topic, maybe some uh, some strategies, some tips, whatever. I think next week we were talking about maybe doing some like keeper league strategy, which uh, I am a keeper league guy. That's what I uh, primarily play in terms of redraft and stuff like that. So I love some keeper league and there's a lot of different strategies you can go with that. So we'll be talking about that next week. First off, before we get started on this, I did want to bring up this one. Have you watched, are you a last kingdom fan? I have never even heard of it. Oh Lord! It is my. It is probably my favorite show on TV right now. I just wrapped it up, finished it up uh, last night. Season four just came out. It's on Netflix. It's absolutely amazing. I would put it up to Game of Thrones or any other great TV show there is out there. Uh, I, it's amazing show. The plot, the the plot, the characters, um, the actors. It's all. It's it's fantastic. I was hoping you've seen it so we could like you know wax about it for a little while. But of course, in typical Cody fashion, he has not seen it. Very typical. I'm not like I don't know, man. I, I I like don't watch a lot of movies. Don't like I I repeat a lot of the same shit, right? Like it's oh look, The Office is on. Let me catch that episode for the 98th time. Oh, South Park's on. Let me catch that one for the 50th time. Like same movies, same shows. I'm a uh, I'm a uh, I'm a creature of habit. Well, you know, sometimes you got to venture out a little bit. You know, I don't watch a lot of TV myself. Like, there's, there's, I watch The Last Kingdom and The Walking Dead, and that's pretty much it right now. That's pretty much the only shows that I can think of 
that is I the watched. Walking Dead still going on. It is still going on. It is fantastic. Jesus. It is amazing right now. But The Walking Dead. Oh, I guess the uh, Ozarks. I like, I like that show too. So, but th- th- that's pretty much it. That's my list of shows that I watch. So, I was hoping you've seen it, but you haven't. So we can keep it moving then, I guess. Since you haven't seen uh, <laughs> the Great Uchard of Bevanbar. Anyways, uh, a couple news and notes. Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, the Red Rifle uh, signed with the Cowboys, which is the team we'll be talking about. But I don't know. It's kind of a weird landing spot, I guess. You know, I get. You know, if, I guess you're going to take a job to get a job. Like I know a lot of people predicted the Patriots, and I thought that would have been a horrible, horrible landing spot for him to land in. Because even if he would have taken over as a starter there, there's absolutely no weapons uh, for the New England Patriots, and you can make a case the New England Patriots have the worst offense in the league. He signs there, not any major news unless something happens. And then the NFL plans to release the schedule on Thursday night, which is major news, right? That is going to draw insane ratings, right? We always kind of joke about it every year when it comes because you, we all, we know who the teams are playing. We already know that already. We just don't know when, if it's going to be prime time, stuff like that. But you can already look and see who they're playing. You can look and see the teams are playing next year and the year after that. We already know it. It is going to, with no other uh, news or with no other uh, sports right now, uh, the NFL is loving life with what's happening. So yeah, they are releasing the schedule on Thursday. So I'm sure we'll, we can bring, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that next week. Um, but the, right now, I don't think, you know, we, we talked about having like a, a marathon all night, just bashing through the schedule, you know, a release party, but we decided not to this year. Maybe next year we'll, we'll fit that in the schedule. Yeah. I mean, the, the NFL normally has a stranglehold on everything as is, but like you said, with, with nothing else going on, like, I think that's going to be like a, a heavily watched like, like release like normally i i don't pay any attention to it i wait till it all comes out i'll look through it on you know see what people are saying on twitter and whatnot but this year man with uh with nothing else going on that's uh that might be appointment viewing and that that is the stage of of quarantine that we're in where it's like bro you're gonna be watching that release or what I know, right? I will be. I know I will be. Uh, I am that person. I'll be editing the pod and watching it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the only thing we do have UFC actually returns this weekend. Uh, UFC 149 is actually on Saturday. So, we're actually going to have that. We'll actually have our first sporting event um, in months. And then NASCAR is going to be back. Uh, is going to be back next uh, next weekend. We'll actually start to have a little bit of sports, right? Some DFS. My uh, DraftKings balance has stayed. Uh, Right there. Hasn't moved. So, uh, you know, I'm sure DraftKings is thrilled to finally get some stuff back. I, I will say this. Don't bother asking me, did I see the race or the wreck or the uh, the pit change on any future podcasts? So that way we don't have the uh, the Last Kingdom thing happen again, because I'm just going to give you the, the, the same answer on that as well. Well, that is bullshit because NASCAR is, is amazing. Uh, play some NASCAR or DFS, and uh, you know it'll change your mind. So, anyways, let's go ahead and jump into it. We're gonna we're gonna start off with the NFC East, and we will start off with your Dallas Cowboys. You know, this is a team that you know last year, and if you really look around, I mean, they had so many offensive weapons, right? You have Dak, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Amari Cooper, you have Michael Gallup. Then they went out and added Ceedee Lamb over the off season. Mm-hmm. You know, and they mm-hmm. obviously changed coaching staffs. The hand clapper is gone. No more on the sidelines in Dallas. He has went to the Giants, and we'll talk about that after a little while. But, you know, some things about Mike McCarthy to kind of uh, refresh our memories because he was out of the league last year. He did say that he kind of embraced analytics while he was out of the league and started really looking into that. But, um, you know, just some things on on Mike McCarthy. He loves throwing early and often. Only five times uh, did the off or and while he was in Green Bay, did the offense have a running back with over 240 carries. So that's something to note. 
Um, he does favor throwing on early downs, which is a smart way to keep defenses um, on their heels. Uh, if you look at some of his pass to run, McCarthy has 58% pass, a 42% run while he was with the Packers. Now, it should be noted that I think their best running back, right, was Amon Green, Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy, baby. And Ryan Grant, I think those were their, their, their uh, those were the only actually running backs that had over 240 carries. I think we can all agree that Ezekiel Elliott, as much as I love Amon Green and Ryan Grant, you know, throwbacks to the back of the day, uh, Ezekiel Elliott is much better than all of those. So I think that is something to keep in mind. But his offense has averaged 22 rush attempts per game compared to that of Jason Garrett's offense that averaged 21, 28.1 attempts back in 2019. Um, some things about him, like he was he was often criticized for being way too conservative at times. And I know that's one one thing that uh, really upset Aaron Rodgers. Back when he was there, he would always uh, audible out of his, of his play calls and they would get into a lot of sideline issues. So I think that is something that he would, al- he would often, ra- uh, he relied too much on the arm of Aaron Rodgers and his ability to create plays with his legs, which is another, you know, now maybe this is a good fit with Dak and Dak's ability to be able to do some of that as well, but mm-hmm. that's not something he wants to do. And I hope that this year off, maybe um, maybe he learned some things and kind of as he was able to step back and take a look at some stuff. Now, he did say that he was going to allow Kellen Moore to remain as the offensive coordinator here, so I think that is something to note, but he's done this in the past where he's given guys, you know, the, the role of offensive coordinator, but then he yanks it away. So we'll see here. I just thought those were some things that we should probably bring up about him and um, you know, so, some things to look at in terms of moving forward. The, the one interesting thing with that real quick, um, with Kellen Moore, is I remember whenever he got uh, – when he was hired as the head coach, he did say that he was going to be learning the, the language that Kellen Moore was using, that he wasn't going to try and bring in his offense completely that he was going to try and learn what they were already doing with Dak and the offense that they had in place. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, how, I guess, how long of a leash that he's going to let him have. And if he is indeed going to be letting him call the plays or if it's just going to be a matter of learning their offense and then he kind of takes the reins from it. So that'll be something interesting to watch because I remember how excited all of us were the first couple of weeks for the Cowboys because it was like, oh, dude, look at that. They're, they're actually using motion. They have bunch sets. And that that kind of seemed to, to fade away as the season went on. So that'll be, uh, that will be interesting to see how all that shakes out between the two. No, for sure. So, I mean, like I said, in, in the past, when things started to go rise, when he takes over, you know, he comes in with the West Coast offense is what he typically runs. And so, which is a lot more, it's less throwing down the field, uh, more conservative, short passes. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I mean, there's no excuses uh, for this offense to not be elite, right? Like we already mentioned, they have Dak. I mean, Dak has always been sort of undervalued among fantasy circles where every year it's like there's not a there seems to be much more people that are just kind of lackadaisical on i'm like oh okay you know if he's there i'll take him but there's not generally a bunch of hype that's surrounded him but i mean if you look at him last year he finishes qb4 i i think every year if i'm not mistaken he's finishes a qb1 maybe one year he has it but i'm pretty sure yeah. every year he's finishes a qb1 uh so he finishes QB4 overall. He was third in fantasy points per game. He was fifth in deep ball attempts, second in um, deep ball completion percentage, second in completed air yards, eighth in rushing yards, and he had 11 QB1 weeks last year. So that is certainly something you're looking for from your fantasy quarterback whenever you're drafting him. That consistency. There's a lot of quarterbacks 
who it's like a roller coaster, right? Where you know they have they have dips, uh, dips and valleys, right? With them and peaks and valleys with Dak. Like I have him right now ranked as my QB three. You could if you had him at QB two, like ahead of Lamar Jackson, if you had if you wanted to. I could understand it. I know people, some people think that's crazy because of his ability, Lamar Jackson's rushing ability. I think, I do think Lamar Jackson does regress a little bit. I don't think it's going to be anything significant. I think, like I said, I have Lamar Jackson at QB two. I have Patrick Mahomes at one and I have Dak at three right now in my redraft and my redraft rankings. But I love Dak this year. I mean, he has so many weapons. We know that Mike McCarthy loves to air it out. I, I do think that, that some of that numbers comes down. I don't think that he follows that 58, 42 would be somewhat ridiculous to do that with, uh, with, ha- with having Ezekiel Elliott there, there is a couple of things like Travis Frederick. That is that cannot be understated. That is a huge loss for that for that offensive line with him retiring. So that is something to mention. But I still think that as a whole, this offensive line is still one of the best in the league. And I do think they continue to feed Ezekiel Elliott. So wh- where do you come in on Dak? Are you right there that you feel like that he is uh, another you know top three, top five quarterback for you? Yeah, I, I think I think he has to be. You know what I mean? I really don't see. How, how many other quarterbacks are you going to throw up in that top three, four, five conversation? I mean, he's he's finished there. You already alluded to the fact that he's been a, a QB one um, every year. I think I, I think he's been a QB one every year that he's he's been in the league. Now you add Lamb, and then the thing with that too is the the defensive pieces that they've lost. So maybe they're not able to control games as much. It might lead to more you know pass heavy kind of things. So he, like you said, there's no excuses. For him to not be putting up uh, super super fantasy friendly numbers this year, so Dak is someone who I mean, who, who do you have it? Who do you have it like four and five? Do you know off the top of your head, or do we have to have another uh, another AOL dial up kind of kind of moment here from from last week? I'm assuming no, I mean- maybe Kyler is up there. Not sure where you have him. Like, like I said, I just don't know what other quarterbacks you're going to throw up there. I mean, maybe Breeze, I guess, if you if you want to get spicy and throw kind of throw him up there in that in that range. Um, so I have, so I do have. Okay, so here, so I have Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray are my top five. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty pretty chalky, and you know, I mean, that I think that's going to be your top five in whatever order you want to put them in, but it's mostly going to be Mahomes and Lamar one and two. And then those next three are going to kind of be shuffled around, I think. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think we need to spend much more time talking about Dak. I mean, with the, the plethora of weapons they have, he, he's now it's going to be in maybe uh, uh, even the, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be any worse than it was last year. I, I could see it regressing a little bit, maybe to, you know, a 55, 45 split run to pass. I, I don't think it's going to be uh, significantly much uh, significantly closer because um, that's just McCarthy just loves to air the ball. So anyways, so let's move on to Zeke. Um, again, he's somebody that could take a little bit of a hit here with, with Mike McCarthy, but I don't think it's anything significant. Uh, he finished RB5 overall last year. He was fifth in fantasy points per fifth in opportunity share. He was ninth in targets, which is kind of interesting because I know there for a while we were concerned with him because he wasn't seeing the same sort of target. So he did end up uh, kind of picking it up uh, as the year went on. But he was ninth in receptions with 52, 11th in yards created. He was 60th, 60th in fantasy points per opportunity, so he was not all that efficient and 10 and 10th in evaded tackles. Uh, finish was eight, 1,800 total yards and 14 touchdowns. Like I would probably project him somewhere pretty similar to that right. in terms of the running backs. 
I think I, I have him right now. I believe I have him as RB4, RB5 currently. I do know that I like, I have Saquon at one, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. And then, yeah, I have him. I, again, I think you can move him all the way up to three. I know last year there was a lot of people thought that he could lead the league in rushing, that his touchdown numbers were going go, to go way up. But they end up throwing the ball a lot more than what we had anticipated. And they were much more of a creative offense, like you mentioned earlier, earlier in the year last year. When I mean, they played some bad teams. I mean, they were rolling teams. And people thought they were a right. Super Bowl contender there for a while. So, so I, with him, like, I don't think it changes all that much. I could see a little bit of, of a dip, but I don't think it's going to be anything significant. Um, even with the addition of C.D. Lamb, you know, with that, like, I... I don't have a lot to to, to add to, to Zeke. Like I said, there would be the only thing that I would be a little bit concerned about is do they run the ball a little bit less? Uh, you know, maybe take some 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 wear off it. But even last year, I mean, he still finished um, with over three hundred one, over three hundred touches last year. So I don't think it's uh, if it is any lower than that, it's like two ninety. Like I don't think it's anything dramatic. No, I don't, I don't think we see a, a huge decrease. Maybe with the addition of Lamb, some of those targets go away. Um, but I, I think you easily and safely take him as a top three, four, five option at running back. And you kind of just let that be that it's not, it's not going to be a huge drop off no matter what. So, but I think the, the more interesting talking point here is with this receiving core. Um, how do you see it shaking out with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CD lamb, Blake Jarwin, I know has uh, been a guy you've been kind of talking up a little bit early on. Um, how, what are you, what are you foreseeing here with 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 those three? First reaction when CD Lamb was drafted, I was like, man, this is not good. Like this is not good for Gallup, who I was really really um, re- who I really liked heading into this season. And then you had Amari Cooper, and I'm like, man, this is going to kind of like eat each other up. But then I started thinking about it and started being more realistic. I don't think CD Lamb is going to come in and just take over this offense or anything like that. If you go back and look last year, I mean, Randall Cobb was still relatively involved um, in terms of this. And if you just look at, I mean, Rand- Randall Cobb had 83 targets last year. I think he had 800 yards and like six touchdowns. Because so basically, you have 83 targets vacated from him. You have 83 targets vacated from Jason Witten that's gone. Like, there's targets to go around here. And so, like, I think people are, as I've kind of watched, like Michael Gallup has like certainly lost value for people, but I don't think he really should have. I still think, at least this year, I still think he's just as valuable of a commodity that that he should be. But the good news is now his value is going to drop to where you're going to get him at a much better value. If you look at Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, you compare them last year, they were damn near the same player, right? I mean, Amari Cooper had a 20.7 target share. Michael Gallup had 21.7 target share. Uh, Amari Cooper was 14th in fantasy points per game with 15.4. Michael Gallup was 15.2. Uh, you know, he had 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. Amari Cooper had uh, 1,189 and six touchdowns, I believe. You know, I mean, they were pretty much the same guy. Amari Cooper had four wide receiver one weeks, four wide receiver two weeks, and eight wide receiver three weeks or worse. And then Amari Co- or then Michael Gallup had two wide receiver one weeks, four wide receiver two weeks, and seven wide receiver three weeks or worse. I believe he missed uh, a game or two as well. So... I mean, they're pretty much the same guy like right now, but you can get Michael Gallup much cheaper, and you're going to be able to get Michael Gallup much cheaper unless all of a sudden a hype train comes up. Because I do think that we some something that people have to take into consideration with this rookie class, and it's something I'm probably going to be talking about a lot over this entire. We do not have OTAs. We do not have and training camp. I don't know what training camp is going to look like. So these guys yeah. are not going to be able to build rapport. They're not going to be able to go in there and learn the playbook. Yes, they're going to be given the playbook stuff like that, but be able to build that rapport with the with Dak. 
is something that's going to have to take time over the offseason. And it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. Now, if they have a normal training camp, maybe that eases a little bit. But I still think that there's going to be some rookie curve here, a little bit steeper than what we typically see on most years. And so for that reason, like I'm not as high on CeeDee Lamb year one as maybe some other people may end up being. And I think Michael Gallup could end up being kind of a sleeper and kind of a steal here in this offense. As far as the tight ends go, I think Blake Jarwin can still have a role that's that's valuable. Um, you know, like I mentioned with, with Jason Witten, like Jason Witten, I think he finishes a, I think he finishes a tight end one. If it wasn't, it was like right outside of tight end one territory. He finished with 63 receptions, 529 yards, and four touchdowns. Like I said, he had 83 targets. I didn't realize he had that many. Like I didn't think it was that many. But this offense was much more pass happy. But with that, like I think Blake Jarwin could still be. I don't think he's somebody that I want like. Like he's not like an Austin Hooper type like last year that I was kind of excited about. As of right now, I don't think he that's going to end up being him. But he's a very explosive athlete, somebody I kind of like, and somebody like you know in a best ball if you can get him as your tight end two or three. Like I think that is as a terrific value, something that I would be looking for in terms of there with, with Blake Jarwin. Because like I said, even Blake Jarwin himself last year. He only had a 7% target share, but he had 31 receptions, 365 yards, three touchdowns, but he was 7th in fantasy points per target and 5th in fantasy points per route run, which is which is pretty impressive in a little bit of opportunity. Now, small sample size, keep that in mind, but Blake Jarwin is certainly somebody that I'd be keeping in the back of people's minds in terms of once we get closer to the fantasy season and redraft and stuff like that. Yeah, a little surprised. I just looked at a four for four site where they have their ADP, and Jarwin is actually, I mean, he's tight end 19, so obviously that's late, but he is going at 12.01, which was a little earlier than, than what I was expecting. And just to, to go back real quick to Cooper and Gallup, Cooper is going the beginning of the third, and Gallup is going at the end of the seventh. Which I love that. I think, that's, I think that is great value for Michael Gallup. It had, had they not drafted CeeDee Lamb, I felt like he probably would have been like a fourth or fifth round pick. Yeah. I mean, they were I both, agree. you know, the good thing is that we, we, we've seen now that Dak can support multiple quarterbacks and so or multiple, multiple wide receivers, multiple pass catchers in an offense. So I think it's wheels up for, for a lot of these Cowboys this year. So, um, do you have anything else that you want to add? The only thing I will say is I feel like we always uh, gloss over Tony Pollard. I really like Tony Pollard as well. I considered making him one of my sleepers. I really do like him. And we saw it last year, super efficient running back. And I think he ends up being a little bit more involved in the offense, maybe gets a little bit more of the pass-catching work to take a little bit of the load off of Zeke. But if anything were to happen to Zeke, which Zeke has been like an Iron Man, hasn't missed a game, uh, outside of the suspension, but if anything were to like this dude would step right in and be an ultimate wide receiver one. So if, like I'm not a super big proponent of drafting handcuffs, but drafting him in the later rounds I think is an optimal strategy. Something that I would probably look to do because I do think that he's going to have some opportunity in this offense and get some touches. And I also think that if anything were to happen, like he would be that instant lottery ticket. Yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a guy I'd want in best balls for sure. And then you know, kind of your your last round pick, depending on how deep your benches are and everything else. Because like you said, he he was efficient. We saw we what he could do. And if I mean the running back position, just in general, prone to injuries. Although that hasn't been the case for Zeke. If something were to happen to him, I'm, I'm not sure what that depth chart. Now that I'm thinking about it, since we brought this up, I don't know what that depth chart looks like behind Zeke. So I think Pollard would be the one to to step in and be looking at the the overwhelming majority of those touches. Like I don't, I can't see them going with a committee if uh, if Zeke were to go down. So 
he's definitely someone I'd be I'd be keeping an eye on for you know, like I said, your late round pick, and especially in in best ball leagues too. So keep this moving to Philadelphia Eagles. Um, as far as the the coaching changes for them, no major changes for fantasy purposes. Uh, they did add a passing game coordinator who was their uh, their quarterback coach that they promoted. Um, and they are they actually already had a run game coordinator, but no pass game. So I guess they they added that, but it's still gonna be still gonna be Peterson who's calling the plays. Um, if you look at that offense over the past three years, they were top eight in offensive plays in each of the past three. And two of those, uh, they were in the in the top three in, in two of those three years. So um, and then for for passing purposes, they were top eight in pass attempts in back to back years. So that's kind of what they're what their offensive uh, pieces are looking like um, as far as additions to that offense, obviously Jalen Reger, our boy going, uh, going the round one pick uh, the surprise pick that kind of threw everybody off Jalen hurts going in the second, but it, it does make sense with uh, the injury history that Carmen Wentz has had. And with a, with a coaching staff, that's able to scheme as well as they are. I hurts is definitely intriguing, but I mean, obviously not anybody in, a redraft format that you're going to take a take a pick on, and then they also added Marquise Goodwin via trade to the offense as well. So, um, out of those additions, I mean, obviously Rager being the being the main one. Do you have any interest in Marquise Goodwin, or do you kind of think that he is a like a Deshaun Jackson, I guess, kind of insurance player? Do you see both of them being utilized in that offense? Yeah, I think it's more depth than anything else with that. You know, it's sort of what we talked about a little bit with them, but, you know, there, there was a report that came out. I know it's been weird. There was a report that came out this week that Alshon was going to be a major part of the offense and then, you know, came out afterwards that maybe that's not accurate. I don't know. Um, like I said, the, the right now that there's there's a little bit going there, but like I don't have any interest in Marquis Goodwin. I think Jalen Riker could end up being the you know well, should end up being the wide receiver one for this team by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think his upside is immense mm-hmm. year one, and then you still have Zach Ertz and the Dallas Goddard combo. But you know, I think in terms of the wide receiver room, I, I want Jalen Riker if I can get up. You know, depending on where he goes and where he ends up uh, coming in draft boards especially for redraft, because as we know, redraft is a, a dicey um, situation to be drafting rookie wide receivers in. And a lot of times, more often than not, it's, it's, it, it ends up paying off not uh, taking some of these guys that end up getting overhyped in redraft because there is a lot of struggle in year one. And like we just mentioned, with these guys, they're, you know, Jalen Baker is going to be in the same spot. Now he has a better opportunity than, you know, what a CD land does. You know, I, I think there's some other stuff. I, I, I still think that Deshaun Jackson, if he can come in healthy, I think that he can be a, um, a contributing member of this offense. It's somebody that I think could be a sneaky best ball play who can have some some big weeks. We saw it last year. We didn't get much opportunity because he, he played, what, I think like one game, two games, something like that before he went out with injury. But I don't know. I still like Deshaun Jackson. I don't I don't really have any interest in Marquis Goodwin. Where are you at on J-Draw? Do you think that he becomes uh, a factor in this offense or is he just dead? I don't know, man. I, I, was, I wasn't a big fan of his coming in, but when I was looking some stuff up, preparing for the pod, I did come across something that... <laughs> I guess kind of made sense as to because he played, he showed up pretty well in the preseason. I know a lot of guys were getting excited about him, you know, based off of that. Um, but I was reading about about J. Jaw, and I guess he was, I, I couldn't remember what the injury was, but apparently he was banged up enough to the point where, like, when he would wake up in the morning, like, he would need help, like, walking and, like, going to the bathroom. 
in the, like early in the morning. So like, who, who knows? Could could he? I kind of pegged him as the as the Alshon Jeffrey kind of replacement. I thought they both played pretty similarly as kind of that outside, just sideline, back shoulder, jump ball, you know, contested catch kind of guy. So could he step into that? I mean, maybe. Like I said, I wasn't all that high on him to begin with. So to me, out of this receiving group, obviously the tight ends we we want pieces of. And then for me, man, it's it's Rager and I'm – like I'm not really interested in too much too much else outside of that. Um, I think it is worth mentioning with with Carson Wentz last year. He was fifth in the NFL in touchdown passes, and I think that's that that's I think you gotta give him a, a little little pat on the back, man. Especially considering what he had. It was it was the tight ends. It was Miles Sanders, and then Greg Ward. You know what I mean? So the fact that he was able able to do that, he had, I think he had over four thousand yards passing. Like I said, fifth fifth in the NFL in touchdown passes. Um, and their leading receiver, who was Alshon Jeffrey, had less than five hundred reception yards. So he was he was another he was a quarterback one last year. Um, if you look at what he was doing in terms of deep pass attempts, he was top eight in two of the last three years. So I think that's still going to be a big part of it. Obviously, Rager can stretch the field. They did take. Um, John Hightower later in the draft, obviously on day three at some point. Um, another, I think he ran like a low four four, so he's another speed guy. And then Jackson um, Goodwin, depending on how much they're using him, the the tight ends can obviously get down the field as well. So I'm I'm excited for Carson Wentz and what kind of back. I mean, not even not even necessarily a bounce back, but to kind of see what he can do with you know with these additional weapons around him. Um, somebody that I am, I'm really high on this year that I like a lot, uh, Miles Sanders. There's been so much talk about, is it just going to be a committee? You know, Peterson's never just relied on one running back. Well, they even said last year after they drafted Miles Sanders was they haven't had a running back like Miles Sanders with his skill set. Obviously they didn't really add anything. I think they picked up, um, Corey Clement. yeah, they, they got Clement for another year. They brought in Michael Warren, I think, UDFA. But, I mean, none of those guys I, I really look at and say, oh, man, I, I wish they wouldn't have done that because that you know that puts a damper on Miles Sanders and what his outlook is. I mean, if you look what look at what he did last year in his, in his rookie year, he was RB 15 and half PPR scoring. Um, and 25 running backs had more touchdowns than Sanders did. So he didn't do that on the back of, you know, I mean, just having a bunch of touchdown luck and finding the end zone. Um, He was 21st in touches amongst running backs. And that was despite having a, there was a four week stretch, I think maybe in the beginning or the middle of the the season where he had 21 total carries. Um, And he was, he was was, start the year. If I remember correctly, was that the start of the year? Yeah. Like he had like, 12 carries was the the most he had and like between those four weeks ended up being being 21 total carries altogether um super efficient with with the touches he did get because he was six in yards per touch among amongst running backs um and then you look at the what they lost in their running back room and there's 146 carries that were vacated between jordan howard jay Ajay, and darren sproll so i think it's i i don't think it's going to be a 
complete bell cow kind of situation for Sanders, but I do think that his opportunity and everything else is is really looking up for him. Um, I think they're still going to get some of the guys we already touched on involved. Obviously, Boston Scott is apparently a thing from from what I've seen on Twitter with people just talking about how his snaps really picked up toward the end of the year. I think that was just a case of I, I think Sanders was banged up too toward toward the end of the year as well. So I'm not really looking at any of those guys, and I'm not going to have any kind of hesitation on taking Sanders. I think it's like I said, I think it's wheels up for him. He's someone that I'm I'm really looking at as having a kind kind of a breakout year and and adding to what he. Uh, what he did last year. Um, then to wrap things up, the tight ends. I mean, we really don't. We really don't have to go too much into depth with them. Obviously, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Uh, last year, they actually combined for thirty-six percent of the Eagles' target share. Both were their top two for receipt for receptions, yards, and touchdowns. What the the kind of question I have is: Will Goddard be as heavily utilized as he was? Was that a case of? They literally just didn't have anything else. They, The Eagles have been known for running 12 personnel and having the two tight ends on the field at the same time, but I don't, I don't think they've necessarily been known for utilizing them in the passing game as much as they did. And if you look now at early ADP, Goddard's going at, at 902 which which kind of surprised me when I saw that. I thought that you know that might be a little rich considering he's a tight end too on his own team. So anything you want to touch on in there, anything with Sanders or the tight ends or anything like that before we move on? No, I think I would say with him, I love Miles Sanders as well this year. I think he has Let's opportunity go. to be a top top five running back. I do think that is in the range of possibility for him. I think, um, what was it, TJ Hernandez loves some Miles Sanders this year and was saying that he thought he could catch 100 balls this year. I, th- I think is what it was. Maybe it was 80 or something like that. I know it was a, it was a ton. And I think he said something about that he could lead this team in wide and re- receptions. So, I, I mean, I he love- had fifty last year, I believe, fifty, fifty-one, fifty-two, something like that. Yeah. So I love some Miles Sanders, and uh, I think it's wheels up for Miles Sanders in years too. I do think Boston Scott will have a role, and I think it could be a little bit Darren Sproles ish, right? Or maybe he had. I think he'll have some weeks where he'll be a wider or a RB, you know, RB two, RB three. I think that's that's certainly there for Boston Scott. We saw it last year. I don't think it's going to be enough that he's going to eat into Miles Sanders' role or, or hurt right. Miles Sanders in any way. So, um, in terms of the tight uh, the tight ends, if you look at Dallas Goddard, like it's tough because taking a team's number two tight end in the ninth round is 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 a little rich. Yeah. But if you look at him, I mean, last year he only had one week sub 50% uh, snap share in terms of targets. I mean, he had at least three or more targets in every single game, but one as well. Right. Um, I mean, other than that though, he basically played 70, you know, 70%, 60%, 83%, 80, 89%, 52, 65, 84, 86, 100% of the snaps. He's running a ton of routes, which is everything that you're looking for in terms of route run. I mean, it's tough not to take notice of him, right? I mean, he, he scored, uh, had multiple tight, you know, tight end one weeks as well. He had nine point eight. You know, he was top twelve. He had one in week six, week seven, week eight, week eleven, week twelve, week thirteen, week fifteen, and week sixteen. He was a tight end one. Now it doesn't take a lot to be a tight end one, as we know, right? So, and also, if anything happens to Zach Ertz, it is motherfucking wheels up 
for Dallas Goddard. All right? the way up. Yeah. And I, and I, so Absolutely. I think those are some of the things that are baked in. And with the, his efficiency and how much they run 12 personnel, I think that's still going to be there. I don't think they're going to go away from that too much. I, I do like that. And I do like Dallas Goddard. So, yeah, I mean, at not, ninth round is probably a little high. There's probably a couple other guys I'd probably rather have. But if he fell in you know, the 10th round, I'd probably look to take him there just because of his immense upside. So, anyways, let's go ahead and move over to the Giants. Um, you know, they're another team that switch head coaches. Uh, actually, the only team that didn't was the Eagles in this uh, among this division. So they fired Pat Shermer, which shock, uh, you know, wasn't shocking whatsoever. They brought in Joe Judge, which was a shock, right? Because who the fuck was Joe Judge? Like, and you asked anybody prior to this, like, who the where of all the guys they could have got? Like, this is who they brought in. You know, the 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 Patriots wide receiver coach, no one ever heard of. Whatever, okay. So, so they did that, and then they go out and just bring in uh, the ragtag group of everybody who got fired. Right, uh, the hand clapper is back on the sideline, but he's with the he's with the Giants. They brought in Freddie Kitchens, I think, to believe that be the tight end coach who was a train wreck in Cleveland. My God! So what a fall, what a rise, and what a fall for that guy, huh? Yeah, fucking Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> so. Jason Garrett, right? So as we already kind of talked about, you can look at the numbers last year, what what they were able to do. Now, you know, they say that uh, Kellen Moore was calling the plays, but I think Jason Garrett obviously also had a hand in that. But if you look at his offenses, the Cowboys passing offense was never ranked lower than ninth in yards per game or 11th in yards per play, including he had two top five finishes in both categories. The rushing offense was top 10 in yards per play four times as well. So th- those are some positives w- with the offense. I do think that this this is good news for Saquon. We'll get to that. The key additions, right? They did not go out and add any wide receivers or running backs to to really of consequence. The only thing they focused on, mainly in the NFL draft, the fourth overall pick, they picked Andrew Thomas at left tackle. They picked Matt Pert, who's an offensive tackle in the third round, and then Shane Lemieux, uh, who's a guard in the fifth round, which was smart. Their offensive line is not very good. This is something that they needed to do was to, to be able to adjust this, right? I think those are really smart to invest, you know, to protect your your, your assets. Other than that, this offense is virtually the same as it was last year. You have Saquon, who, as we know, had that high ankle sprain, which really hurt him most of the year. The only question mark with Saquon, in my opinion, is I think his his targets, which he still received 73 targets last year, you know. Some of that was with Eli Manning, but he still was, you know, but... Daniel Jones is a little bit more mobile, obviously, and can actually run the ball. So if you look at Daniel Jones last year in 13 games, he averaged 16.2 fantasy points per game, 3,000 passing yards. He had 1690 air yards, 18 money throws, which was 12th. But he did throw, he had 29 interceptable passes that should have been intercepted, which was fifth. And then he had 24 touchdowns, 279 rushing yards, which I believe was seventh, two rushing touchdowns. Some things you'd like to see him improve upon. He had a 30.4 deep ball completion percentage, which was 28th in the league, 38.9. Uh, when he was pressured, which was 11. So that is a positive for him. But he only had a 78.0 true passer rating, and he only averaged 0.39 fantasy points per dropback. So there's certainly some things there. I think if he can clean up some things, because he was very high and very low. Daniel Jones last year, he certainly, you know, like I said, had his ups and his downs. He, only, he had four weeks of QB1 weeks, so they were all top five. Everything else, he was almost unstartable. Like, if he can kind of put all this together, kind of take a step forward, if the offense can stay healthy, if Saquon can stay healthy, Evan Ingram could find some sort of miracle and actually stay healthy which i don't know if that's ever going to happen i think there's some good things here with investing in the offensive line so with daniel jones i think he's an interesting late round flyer with this offense and his ability to use his legs again he's not like a 
He's like a poor man's Josh Allen in that regards that he can actually use his legs, but he's not somebody that I would ever expect to get four or 500 rushing yards in a season. But I do think, you know, he's like Alex Smith, right? Where he can give you that extra, you know, he can get you that extra four or five points on, on a couple of weeks that, that's, that's going to push you over the top. It's going to help out. So with Daniel Jones, that's kind of where I like him. Saquon, I have, I have him as my number one overall running back this year. I do think that, that Christian McCaffrey takes a little, little bit of step back. We've never seen a running back. I think since 2000, I think this Priest Holmes actually was the last running back to repeat as, as RB1. So I, I, Right now, I have Saquon Barkley. We don't need to get too far into it, like we already mentioned. Um, you know, he had that injury last year that, that really hampered him. He came back and he fought his way through it. He's now 100% healthy. I don't think, I think, you know, actually adding Jason Garrett could actually be a plus for Saquon. And then the wide receivers, I think, is kind of the, the big question. Darius Slayton, I, I was actually going to have him as, as uh, one of my sleepers. He's going at like RB4 or wide receiver 41. Like he's probably going to be their wide receiver one in this offense, right? We saw him last year have, you know, have some pretty solid moments and they didn't draft anybody. So I really like Darius Slayton. He had, he played 79.4% of the snaps, which was only 48, which I, I think that goes up. He, he received 83 targets, 48 receptions, 740 receiving yards, 15.4 yards per target, and only 78.3 of his targets were catchable, which was 46th in the league, 1.81 yards per route run. So with him, like, but he was a note, like, I remember watching him last year in preseason and really starting to kind of like get on board with some Darius Slayton, but he was still a relatively unknown. Like, nobody knew who Darius Slayton was. Nobody was super excited about Darius Slayton. Nobody's pounding the table for Darius Slayton. So I think if he can take another step forward, I think he's in, a, he's, he's in a good position. And if he stays around that range, like, that is some solid value for him. Where are you at on these wide receivers with Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate? Slayton is the guy that I'm going to be that I'm going to be most excited about most targeting because even though, like you said, he was starting to pick pick up some steam toward the end of the year, he had some of those nice flashes. Like he kind of seems like, especially for redraft purposes, he's kind of been kind of been forgot about already. The the do the thing with him that has me excited is he at least plays a a different role and has a different skill set than everybody else on that team, right? Like before Slayton became a thing, I remember we were always joking about like. Well, looks like they're just going to be running strictly like bunch uh, bunch sets from the slot because they didn't have that outside presence. Well, with Slayton, at least he he brings that outside presence. He has speed that um, maybe some of the other receivers don't have. So he he's definitely somebody that I'm going to be I'm going to be looking forward to targeting. Um, oh wow! So I just brought up uh, four for four's ADP again, and he's actually going in the tenth round currently. He's going at going at ten oh three. That's 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 earlier than what what I was expecting. That's uh, to me that's still ridiculous though. I mean, he should be going higher than that. He, he's likely their wide receiver one. Um, takes another step in this offense. Upgraded the offensive line. Like I don't know. Like I think he probably pushes for over a hundred targets this year. I don't know. That seems really low. Like I think you know if he was going like the seventh eighth round, I think that would be fair, and I wouldn't be upset with that. Like I'd still be happy with getting him there. Getting him in the tenth seems seems a little bit late. I was just a little surprised to to see him that high just because there really hasn't been like that much that much hype uh surrounding him um sterling shepherd going at 1205 uh golden tate going at 1311 and then evan ingram is going at <laughs> evan ingram is going at 512 so uh so, so there you go I was was not expecting that whatsoever. So yeah, still still out of those guys I'm still going to be targeting Slayton the most um for 
you know, we're obviously we're touching on mostly redraft stuff here, but I think for dynasty purposes, you can have you can get him cheap right now as well, especially with uh, you know with all the rookie drafts and rookie fever going on. So he, he'd be the guy that 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 I would be targeting. I mean, I, I still like Sterling Shepard, but man, like those concussions and head injuries are starting to get scary for him. He seems to be missing more and more time with that. So. I mean, who, who really knows? And at this point, Golden Tate is Golden Tate. You already talked about Evan Ingram. He literally needs a miracle in order to, to be able to stay on the field. So my I haven't done my, my rankings yet as early as you have, but it, just kind of thinking about it, I, I would have Barkley at one as well. So to me in this offense, it's it's going to be Barkley that I'm going to be looking at early as, you know, that, that RB1 to start the year. And then um, Slayton is the guy that I want out of that receiving core. I, 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 yeah, I agree. I do like Sterling Shepard a little bit, but like you mentioned, the, the, the injuries. And then with, with Evan Ingram, like, I, if the guy could stay healthy, like, he could, like, he's, like, in, it should be in the top discussion for top five. Maybe that's, top that's where he should be, that 512, right? Like, if yeah. he could stay healthy. But I do, I can't, I can't spend that capital. In. Yeah. No. It's, not, it's, it's not being factored into how, like, last year, I think he played eight games. The year before that, he played 11. So, like, it's not being factored in, right? And, like, everybody, people are drafting him at, you know, probably what his ceiling is we have yet to see it maybe it happens this year now there's also been speculation of him being traded so, like i don't know like it's it's tough like i have him i think ranked as my number five tight end actually or four four or five but i wouldn't draft him there right. you know like we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens with evan ingram amazing talent and if he could stay healthy like i think he could ball that's the big if yeah Absolutely. So let's let's wrap up these uh, this divisional preview with uh, with Washington Redskins. Um, obviously, a bunch of coaching changes there. Um, Ron Rivera coming in from Carolina. He's bringing Scott Turner with him as their OC. Um, he was Carolina's quarterback coach last year. Um, obviously, the the son of Norv Turner. So I I really don't know what to expect. I don't I don't have anything written down here as as far as the tendencies. Obviously Rivera is a defensive guy, so we can't really look at what he you know what he <clears throat> excuse me what what Carolina did offensively in the years prior. Scott Turner has never held an NOC role in any level before. He's always kind of been a wide receivers coach, offensive coordinator, you know, quality control kind of guy. So I, I mean, obviously. Being Norv's son, we would expect some variation of what Norv Turner has been doing. So just just for, I guess, just for to, to bookmark it, um, the the last we saw of Norv Turner was 2018 with the with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they were 14th in points for, uh, 15th in pass attempts, and 12th in rushing. Something that his offenses were known for, or especially what we saw with Carolina anyway, was using a lot of motion, using some different sets and different formations and trying to create mismatches and being able to get the defense to declare what they're doing in terms of their coverage and, you know, where they're bringing pressure from, which is something obviously that uh, Dwayne Haskins had a lot of trouble with uh, last year in his rookie season, but some key additions they brought into that offense, Antonio Gibson. I mean, I, to me, that was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't see him getting that high of draft capital. Um, he was taken at the beginning of the third round, 66th overall. They also brought in the, uh, the Liberty kid, Antonio Gandy golden. He was fourth round 142nd overall. And obviously their key loss was Trent Williams. And with all, all of that, kind of craziness going on with with him and he ended up being traded to San Fran which is obviously a huge loss because I mean 
when that offensive line was able to stay healthy, which wasn't, you know, which wasn't too often, they had probably one of the best uh, offensive lines on paper, but they were just never, never able to stay healthy. Uh, Scherf came back, I think on a, maybe a franchise tag or a tender of some sort. So he'll, he'll be back. But I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks just overall with with this entire offense and this entire team, just, just in general. Um, so just kind of looking back at what they did in 2019, uh, obviously Dwayne Haskins, there was some talk about, you know, could they take Tua at two? That, that kind of seemed like that was more smoke and just trying to get somebody to trade up. Um, obviously, they ended up taking Chase Young there. But last year, Dwayne Haskins took over as a starter week nine um, and played seven games as their starting quarterback. I think he appeared in maybe like one or two more. But as their, you know, He's the starter going forward. It was seven games. Um, over those seven games, just a little over 1,200 total yards, uh, seven touchdowns, three picks. What that basically comes out to be would be 25 pass attempts, 15 completions, and only 175 yards averaged across those starts. So nothing too uh, too fantasy-friendly or anything you're going to be running out to grab. Um, only had two games over 15 fantasy points. So again, but like – they really didn't do much to to help him last year. Maybe this coaching staff can put a scheme in place that's going to be, you know, be more helpful to him because obviously he wasn't getting any help from the offensive line, the weapons, the coaching staff, or anything like that last year. Um, as far as the running backs go, I mean, it's it's crowded, and I don't think anything is set in stone. I mean, we're looking at Darius guys who, like Evan Ingram, we were just talking about, can't, can't seem to stay healthy and stay on the field. Adrian Peterson is somehow still producing at a, at a relatively high level, for especially for, for his age. Antonio Gibson, obviously they drafted this year. Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, and J.D. McKissick. Ah. I mean, I really don't know what to expect out of this group. I mean, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if this is another year of Adrian Peterson leading that group just because I could see a scenario where guys gets hurts again, guys gets hurt again. Um, Antonio Gibson, I honestly think you can just throw him at running back and let him just kind of go. Right. But I, I would get worried that maybe they try and use him in some more like gadgety, gimmicky ways because of how versatile he was at Memphis with, you know, we've already touched on his receiving, rushing, and his uh, special teams profile and, and a bunch of podcasts before this. So we don't need to dive into that any further. I would love to see Antonio Gibson kind of kind of get the ride here and kind of be a a 1B with Geis as a 1A. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I mean, like I said, man, there's just so many questions with that. Currently, Geis is going at 708. Adrian Peterson is going at 1802 and Gibson is going at 1707. Now out of this running back group, Kev, I mean, is there anybody that, that you're, I mean, not even necessarily targeting, but is there anybody that you like anyone that you're, that you're interested in out of here? <laughs> I feel the same way here in this office. Like, right. But then, cause I really like Antonio Gibson and I like Antonio Gibson's long-term upside. Like I said, we've talked about it. Like I think he has Joe Mixon in the range in his range of outcomes, but there's just so many guys here right now. I, I really like Darius guys. I talked about it before they drafted, before they ever drafted Antonio Gibson. So with the, with AP still there and he's going to get touches, like I just think you can mess with it. So like it's a hard pass probably for all these running backs, especially where they're being drafted. So I think Antonio Gibson's at least a, a worthy of a, you know, maybe a late round flyer or something like that just to kind of check things out with him. But 
but past him, like, and, and to be honest, like the wide receiver core, it's tough to get on. Like, I love Terry McLaurin. Like, I love yeah. that dude. Like, I think he is really talented. As long as he doesn't really move up, if you can get him at like wide receiver 30, wide receiver 31, 32 range, you know, that wide receiver three range like I wouldn't hate it but I'm not in love with it either because I don't really know what to expect from this offense I think they're going to try to pound the ball I know they have some other guys people really like as well Kevin Harmon uh, Steven Sims who, who kind of came on late last year as well they have no tight end to speak um, now that Vernon Davis decided to retire and Jordan Reed is no longer there I think if you wanted to take like if you're in like a deeper league a 14 16 team league like and you wanted to take a shot on Kevin Harmon or a, or a Steven Sims I think you could do that but in a 12 team league I just can't see my myself drafting those guys i I think the only guy that i have any interest in is terry mclaurin that's about it like i think that's where it cuts off with me for the redskins i think they still have some work to go i'm still not convinced that dwayne haskins is even a is worthy to be a starting quarterback i'm not sure if he's deshaun kaiser yet or not we'll see i think if you know if this ends up tanking i think you end up seeing them taking a quarterback really early next year in next year's nfl drafts but there's not a whole lot of fantasy goodness here on the redskins so that's pretty much where i come in on them yeah i mean i Absolutely. Like you said, Terry McLaurin is the only one that, you know, we're going to have any interest in really. Um, he was wide receiver 28 last year and half PPR. And that was with missing two games. I remember he, he got off to that crazy, that crazy start at the beginning of the year where he just kind of blew up and, you know, made, made all the people who were tooting that horn, you know, during the, during the off season, re- really show up out in the, out on the Twitter streets. Consistency wise though, kind of looks like the numbers we were talking about with Amari Cooper, wide receiver one weeks, three of them, wide receiver two weeks, three of them. And then he had eight uh, wide receiver three or worse. So, I mean, obviously there was all the injuries at quarterback. Then he had to suffer through Dwayne Haskins play. He really didn't have much in the in the way of help either. So, um, I mean, you touched on Calvin Harmon. If there is any sort of like glimmer of hope with him um, in his last seven games, he did have at least three catches and 40 plus yards in five of those. Um, Steven Sims kind of be seemed to be the guy that that a lot of people were, um, were getting excited about. Um, he had at least four catches and 40 yards or more in his last four games. And then in the final three games, he did have four touchdowns. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing to me with, uh, with the running back group, you kind of look at it and you just go like, I like what, like what else really is there much to say? Um, you already touched on the tight ends. We don't even have to speak of them. I mean, if, if you're drafting any of these guys, you're, I mean, you're, you're either Jeremy Sprinkle's mother or you're just in some kind of like crazy, like start like three tight end, you know, 16 team kind of league. So like outside of that, I mean, Sprinkle did have, I think he had like 30 some catches last year. So he did put up some production, but there, there's going to be an entire list of other guys that, that I would want here. Obviously they did add uh, Thaddeus Moss uh, as a UDFA. So maybe he's someone to, to watch out for, but he'd be more of like a, you know, weak, three waiver wire ad kind of guy. So, um, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of all there is to say about, about the, the Redskins, man. Ho- hopefully they, they can put a scheme around Haskins. It's going to make him 
more fantasy viable because there are some pieces that I that I do like. But as of right now, as we're looking at it, man, there's there's really not too much to be excited about. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what ends up happening there. So um, I don't have anything else to put in for the Reds because, like I said, it's Terry McLaurin right now or Bus, and or if I'm in a you know deeper league with or larger benches, maybe I consider somebody like a Kelvin Harmon or Stephen Sims, so or an Antonio Gibson. But and that'll wrap up our conversation on the NFC East. I really appreciate everybody checking out the show. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyRat13. You can follow my co-host at C FF. And I really appreciate it. And we'd also really appreciate it if you guys could help us out, TFA fam. Uh, we are trying to grow. Um, and you know if you could hit you know that rating and review on your podcast app it would really mean a lot to us and if you could also head over to our youtube channel we're really trying to grow that putting out a lot of content we got a lot of fun stuff planned there and and i'm actually interested people that are still listening to this part because i know a lot of people tune out after you know the when people as soon as people say all right that'll wrap it up and people you know turn off the podcast and they move on i get it so the people that are actually still listening there's a couple things i wanted i wanted to know if you could you know either email the show at the fantasy authority one at gmail.com again that the fantasy authority one at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on twitter you know reach out to me at fantasy rat 13 i am truly curious how many people are starting to listen to more stuff on youtube or or simply just podcast form and that's it and versus you know if you do read something do you really you know spend a lot of time reading content or do you prefer more if, if it, you could to see more video based audio based content I, I'm just really curious to see what people think about that because in my opinion I feel like it's kind of the future and I think people fantasy community hasn't fully embraced it but it's starting to become more and more popular and that's kind of what we're trying to do so I, I much more prefer you know talking on a podcast or doing video or whatever than, than sitting down and writing a 2000 word article that people will skim through. So I, I just feel like I can get more content into a five minute video that can, you know, you know, somebody writing a 2000, 3000, 4000 word article. is just crazy to me. So I'm really, I really be curious to hear people's feedback. And so I would really appreciate it if you guys could, you know, again, you know, reach out to us via email through Twitter. It doesn't really matter. I really appreciate it and checking it out. So other than that, I really appreciate all your guys support. I really do. And that's why we're going to be giving away some free t- for some, some free, excuse me, TFA t-shirts and some other stuff like that. So just to kind of give back to the community because really appreciate everybody and the support we've always gotten throughout the years with this podcast. You know, we've been going on now for four years, five years. It's been a lot of change. I've been the only constant here. So, again, I really appreciate it. So, uh, be sure to check out our show tomorrow. We're going to be talking about sleepers and just kind of some early guys to kind of look at, pay attention to, whether it's in best ball. You know, and your draft's coming up in August. It's never, you know, it's always a good time to start kind of researching, kind of planning some things. So, again, I'm going to stop rambling. I really appreciate everybody checking out the show. And until tomorrow, peace. We hope you enjoy
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.